and I'm delighted to be here. Wonderful. Um, I had choices of scriptures as I always do, and at first I thought, oh, I'll go with the with the big long one that tells about how beautiful it was when, when the week before, maybe two weeks before the crucifixion, Jesus took three of his friends up onto the mountain and he received the power from God. Power he would need to get through the next couple weeks. So my first thought about writing this sermon, that how cool it would be to be there with him, right? I mean, I could talk about how Jesus started his journey into Easter by going on a hike with his buddies out up Mount Tabor, and then this miraculous event of a bright shining light of the Creator shone on Jesus and from Jesus, and what a wondrous sight that must have been. And then if I were like a lot of preachers that I've heard, they would proceed to call out Peter for getting everything wrong, because that's what people do with Peter. They call him out for getting everything wrong. (coughs) Excuse me. He offered to build three tabernacles, one for Elijah and Moses and one for Jesus. And the reason behind this is because in, in Jewish history, that's what you did for God. And this was obviously a God thing going on. But Jesus said, no, I'm sorry. We have work to do. And I've never seen Peter as a bumbling apostle myself. So when I read the reading, I thought, there's more than one perspective of the story of the, of the transfiguration. Before I get to the passage in Second Peter, I have to relate a story about myself and my relationship to Peter. It often seems I have a lot in common with this Jesus' apostle Peter. I don't propose to insinuate myself with Peter's greatness, nor even say that Peter himself was uniquely graced with special gifts. After all, we're both ordinary people. Rather, since I started reading scripture from the perspective of a seminarian, I realized many folks see Peter in a different light than I do. I see Simon Peter as a very ordinary person being called, as am I, to do God's work. That would often require us to do things we've never considered doing in our previous lives. You know, things like uh, sacrifices, And I want to note, sacrifice here is the word I use, not suffering. For giving up human ambitions does not necessitate pain and suffering. As ordinary people called to serve, we often are required to walk away from our businesses, the people we love, and follow Jesus. We also love, and we're secure in knowing that Jesus loves us. For folks like Peter and I, we have to morph or change, adjust our old belief systems into something less of this world and more of the next world. In doing this, we sometimes stumble. When Peter and I act and speak impetuously, it is often through ignorance or excitement and maybe sometimes a little column A and a little column B. It's both. We see ignorance as something that we can overcome, though. When we make proposals or ask what seems like unsophisticated questions, it is our way of seeking wisdom. We understand it is natural for humans to make mistakes. From my perspective, it was the apostles that stood back and watched and kept their silence who were maybe missing the boat. 
Jesus encouraged Peter, and while his faith was not perfect, it, like all of our faith, is a work in progress. It is a fact of life that we are always changing. Our direction is the variable. We will be changing in either going forward, backward, or sideward. The story of the day is transfiguration, and it's time to address Peter in relationship to the transfiguration. Oh, what holiness must have been felt in that day. Imagine, if you will, the effect that it must have had on Peter, James, and John, the only three disciples that Jesus took with him that day. Elijah, Moses, and Jesus all standing before the three of them. And by the three of them, we're talking about Jesus, Moses, Elijah, all three people taken into heaven without having died. Make no mistake about it, the transfiguration was not only about Jesus. That day it was proclaimed by God in mortals that this is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. That day the power of the creator transfigured Jesus and spoke to mere mortals. The creator left those three men speechless, and as Jews, they couldn't have missed the parallels between the events of those witnessed by Elijah and Moses and what was happening on the mountain right now as, as God talked to mortals. Men met God on a mountaintop, and they're forever changed. Who can really fault Peter trembling and saying, should I, should I build a place of worship for all of you, one for each? Uh, we could all stay up here forever because you, you got to think that was a place you wanted to stay. I, I mean, that must have been just, I've got goosebumps all over just thinking about it. However, Jesus says, no, leave we must. And this brings us to Peter's life in regards to, to the aftermath of that experience. At first, Peter is in denial when Jesus explains the events of the following weeks, the the very events we celebrate during Lent. Later, Peter would go on to lead others to do the work started with Jesus, who is soon to leave, but not without giving Peter instructions. In 2 Peter 1, through 1 uh, chapter 1, verse 16, Peter says, For we did not make up mythical stories about how Jesus received his power. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. I note here how Peter doesn't make this about himself, but also includes James and John in the language of we, a community of people. All of them received glory and honor from God the creator. Peter continues, God proclaimed, This is my son of whom I am well pleased. We, again referring to Peter, James, and John, heard this on the mountain, on the holy mountain, which is heaven. We have been given this holy prophetic message. Peter here is impressing upon folks that they indeed have been sent to Jesus as a guide who, <clears throat> whose light shines as a lamp shining in the dark. Thus, we make this relevant to all days here on earth ever since that day and until the ends of times. 
the Lord will once return again, and who lives and who will live in our hearts, Peter, the Lord who lives in our hearts, Peter then makes sure we understand that he is not speaking from self, but from God through prophecy guided by the Holy Spirit. Peter will speak passionately to Jews and Gentiles from that day forward until he is martyred near Rome around the age of 65, 67. Peter becomes an example of servant leadership. Peter and the apostles do this not for glory or fame, but to introduce others to the Lord in a manner that will enable all humankind the opportunity to be in communion with Jesus in a deep and personal way. This consequently assures everlasting life prevailing over death through the grace of God's forgiveness and through personal sacrifice rewarded by community in the life and beyond. I believe that the purpose of this story is God can come to us anytime and light our lives through loving grace. Jesus in this story shows us that God is with us always, and we need, like Peter, only to acknowledge that light and dedicate ourselves to be a beacon to others. We can all be a part of that transfiguration story. The light can be seen through us, all in some small way, as we minister to the poor and comfort the children, feed the hungry, whether in body or spirit, and heal, whether sick in body, mind, or spirit. The life given Jesus on that day, the light given Jesus on that day, is available to each of us and should not be seen only as an event happening far atop some high mountain where God supposedly lives, but in the plains and the valleys and throughout the earth and seas, for God is everywhere. Today and every day, take time to question and ponder the day's events. Where do you see the light, and where does it direct you to shine?